when I when I get to teach it, kind of a um, a little different this time studying. Um, I'm kind of going to share a little bit as far as uh, what the Lord's uh, kind of been been dealing with me in my life. You know, uh, some little uh, I could say challenge or a, uh, yeah, a little challenge. Um, what what happens when you're afraid? Everyone, everybody's been afraid in here, right? Well, at one point, um, of something, uh, either a person or or an event uh, that's happened to you. You know, I looked up some of the the top ten fears. So here are the top four. All right. Anyone guess number four? Uh, that's number two. That's number two. Number four is uh, fear of the dark. Uh, number three, fear of heights. Number two, fear of public speaking and. Uh, Number one, which I thought was uh, more than likely going to be dying, fear of dying, fear of death, but it's fear of flying. Um, but probably all of us have been uh, scared or afraid at some time in our lives. Um, it's a it's a crazy feeling. It's a crazy feeling. Um, you can probably remember when uh, we've been afraid, and also remember probably the exact place where we're, we were at, and remember lots of details about uh, what was going on at the time. You guys can turn to Psalm 56, by the way. Sorry. Very important. Psalm 56. Um, like, like I said, it brings up a lot of weird feelings. Um, and if you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you need a Bible. Uh, it brings up a lot of weird feelings. Um, I just feel kind of weird. I remember being a kid and having a moments of really, really being scared, uh, afraid. I bet all of us can recall uh, childhood, childhood memories of being afraid or. or of something. Anybody, everyone, anybody afraid of their, their grandparents? <laughs> I was afraid of grandparents. I remember also, like, there was this uh, uh, this uh, this house in our neighborhood, and it, it was something weird about that house. And whenever I'd pass by, I'd go on the opposite side of the street and, and book it right in front of the house. I wouldn't look at it or anything. And and, and also, um, it was in our house, too. Uh, our, sh- our house was shaped like a, like a letter H. Like that, and right in the middle was our was our living room, and our parents' uh, room was on this side, and uh, the kids' room was on this side. And something at night, going through that living room was the scariest thing. You know, I, I would just run. With, there, there was a big fish tank on this side, and a bunch of plants that looked all crazy at night. You know, the shadows and stuff. Um, I'm sure you guys probably have those same things. You know, um, I know most of those those fearful memories as children uh, were developed because of the imagination we had, right? Um, we never, whenever we, I get a chance to, to share, you know, with the kids in the classrooms, um, you can you can see it in their eyes. Uh, they're they're uh, those wheels turning, uh, those imaginations are, are taking them right to that place, you know, right alongside uh, David and Goliath, you know, um, or, or they're experiencing the, the somehow the study being taught to them. Um, But but it's mostly I think because of their um, their openness, their their willingness to be there, um, the imagination the Lord has given them uh, the the kind of like inexperience they have as children, um, but they believe every word right? They believe every word that that you might tell them that you might share with them from the Bible. Uh, it takes um, they take it for what it is the Word of God, and they believe it. Um, now now it's somewhat changed. For most of us, right, we don't have that imagination no more. Um, it's all about like a, a reality. 
most of us don't probably don't have those strong fears anymore or, or even the, like, the imaginations like we had when we were kids. But we do have those moments, right? We do have those moments uh, when we forget how far the Lord has brought us and, and we are, as little children again, fearful, afraid, uh, with our minds and feeling us, taking us to a place where we aren't in the hands of the Lord anymore. Like, like back when we were kids, uh, like back when I was a kid, you know, I'm running through this dark place just to get to the other side uh, where I can feel comfortable again. You know, it's hard sometimes to remember uh, who we are in the Lord. We forget the promises he's given to us. Uh, we, let the, we let people get in the way of our view of him. And, you know, distractions, circumstances that, that, uh, that happen to us. Uh, we, let, we let sin overtake our lives. Uh, condemnation, you, know, you name it, it's hard. Uh, you know, here in Psalm 56, uh, we'll read of a time where uh, the writer of the psalm, uh, David, was at a place where he felt alone. Uh, he was in a dark place where he was afraid. Um, you know, we will see him afraid of, of what's in front of him and also what he does in this uh, particular event uh, to being afraid. So let's read Psalm 56, and we're going to be in First um, Samuel, First Samuel 21. So if you want to put a bookmark there too, um, Psalm 56 and First Samuel 21. But let's read Psalm 56. All right, ready? Psalm 56. It says, "Be merciful to merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day." For there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I will put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? All day they twist my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together. They hide. They mark my steps. When they lie in wait for my life, shall they escape by iniquity? In anger, cast down the peoples, O God. You number my wanderings. Put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Now David wrote this psalm from the, um, the things going on in 1 Samuel chapter 21. So like I said, we can, we can go there now, 1 Samuel 21. We'll do some of the, the background, I guess, to the psalm. 1 Samuel 21, verses 10 through 15. You know, if you're not familiar with the life of David, uh, here's a flash review. Uh, he was used mightily for the Lord, for the glory of God. You know, he, he was uh, the anointed king of Israel. Uh, Saul was the king that the people wanted. He was a king now. And king Saul's reign is summed up in 1 Samuel 15. You know, the end of verse 23, it says, Because you have rejected the word of God, he also has rejected you from being king. Uh, from then on, you can see the, the Lord begin to lift uh, David and, uh, as the anointed king of Israel, but now without some challenges. In 1 Samuel 16, it says, The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, 
and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. You know, he then was introduced to David, um, and David plays the harp for him. Uh, and every time uh, this distressing spirit uh, was upon Saul, you know, he'd call for David. Um, and it would leave David when, when David, uh, or leave Saul when David was playing for him. It also says that Saul loved David greatly, and he became his armor bearer. In chapter 17, the ever popular story of David and Goliath, uh, David stands up to this mountain of a man and, and slays him in front of the entire of the entire Israelite army, including Saul. And here's uh, pretty much where Saul's jealousy starts to, um, to take over. Uh, the people in the streets cheer for David over Saul. You know, they, saw, they say Saul has slain his thousands and David has, has slain his ten thousands, right? Saul became very angry. He did not like what they were saying. Um, so it says in 1 Samuel 18, 9, that Saul eyed David from then on, from that day forward. It became very clear um, that Saul wanted David's life. He tries to, to pin him to a wall uh, with a spear a total of three times. Um, David flees, uh, but it's still kind of around, kind of weird, huh? You think you'd not get close to someone who threw a spear at you. Um, Mary, Saul's daughter, um, and becomes very, very tight with uh, Saul's uh, son, Jonathan. I mean, lots of crazy things happen to, uh, during this uh, like mini soap opera, um, but it's clear that Saul wants David dead. And that's pretty, that pretty much brings us up to chapter 21, uh, where David flees to Gath and, and writes Psalm 26. But let's read up in 1 Samuel 10, 1 Samuel 21, verse 10 through 15. Everyone there? All right. Um, it says, Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another and dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands scratched at the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought, brought him to me? Have I, have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And in, verse one, in chapter 22, the first verse says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. We'll stop there. So we see here David flee to, um, to Gath, a Philistine city. You know, one commentator says that this was Goliath's hometown. You know, why did he go there? I, I don't know why he went there. Um, we know for sure that this was a kind of a lapse in, in, in David's uh, ministry, you know, to run away, to run away into enemy territory. But you have to, to you know, sympathize, sympathize with David um, he didn't have anyone. Uh, the people that, that were closest to him wanted to, wanted to kill him. Saul was out to get his life, and when the king is after you, pretty much everyone's after you. You know, he felt alone. He was afraid and running for protection. Uh, crazy moment in David's life where he goes to the enemy, Philistine king, for some, for some reason, you know, the enemy. You know, the servants, like it says, the servants recognize David. Um, they kind of think it's David. 
And they say to the king, isn't this David the king of the land? Isn't this the one who, who they cheer for in the streets? Isn't this the man that is tearing us to shreds in battle? In verse 12, we read that David took these words to heart and was very much afraid. He was afraid. He took these words to heart. Um, That pretty much means that he believed these words that they were saying. He knew that the things they were saying were going, were progressing to something. Something was going to happen. Who's ever been in a courtroom? Been in a courtroom? All right. Hopefully for good stuff, right? Witnesses, all witnesses, right? Oh, that's a bad question. <laughs> but anyways, you know, when, when the, the judge uh, kind of, uh, you know, gets to the point where, where they read a verdict, you know, they kind of give like a little speech beforehand. You can kind of almost guess where, where the, the verdict's going to go, either guilty or not guilty. And then David was at a point where, you know, he hears what they're saying. He's like, man, someone's going to go down right now. Something's going to happen. Um, and David's listening to them, and, uh, you know, he gets afraid. Uh, let's read verse. Uh, let's read again what David does in verse 13. Sorry. It says, So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down his beard. Uh, he changed his behavior. He begins to act like a madman. He pretended madness in their hands. He pretended to be someone else, right? Someone else. His characteristics uh, of fearlessness were gone. This man of God who showed not not a, even an ounce of fear when he faced Goliath. Remember his words, his words that, that says, uh, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistines that he, that he should defy the armies of the living God? Um, those words were powerful you know, to me and I'm, I'm sure to you, but now he reduces himself to a weak, almost pitied person. You know, he let his, his, his saliva fall down his beard and back then, you know, a beard uh, uh, was kind of a sign of a man's strength, you know, and authority. Um, and, you know, with women, too, kind of like the glory of her, the long hair, too, kind of almost the same thing. Um, so it, it was bad to let that happen. And it says, uh, for, the king and his servants, uh, for the king and his servants to see this humiliation of David was almost like a seal that this man was crazy. You know, this is, doesn't happen normally. You know, Achish then responds to his servants and pretty much says, you know, get this guy out of my presence. Get him out of my house. You know, I have no need for him. Look at him. And they take him away. So David escapes the Philistine king and his servants. You know, lots of things could have could have gone down there. You know, he, he had to think fast. Um, he did have a weapon, though. You know, back in, in uh, chapter 21, you know, he spent some time at the house of the Lord, and, and that's when he lies to Ahimelech, you know, the priest. And he ends up taking the, the sword of Goliath with him. And so he did have a weapon. You know, he could have decided to fight them, and, you know, take them out one by one. I think he could have did it. Um, but he decided to go the route of, of a madman. You know, he, he humiliated himself. And I'm not sure what you guys would have done in that situation. Um, but choosing to fight uh, might have not been the right decision. decision sorry, It would have been uh, pretty much in the flesh. Because it, w- it wasn't God directed. Um, when it comes down to it, it, David was afraid, very much afraid. It says, uh, just like David, though, when when we are afraid, when we are really afraid, we can become like madmen or mad women, and make some some crazy decisions, right? 
Uh, we can act. We can say things um, that is totally not us, totally different person. Uh, that fear takes over. Your, your heart begins to race. And before you know it, you're, you're a totally different person. Let's turn back to Psalm 56. Now that we know, know like somewhat of the, the meaning or the background behind Psalm, uh, we'll read it one more time. I guess no mind, right? We'll read it one more time. Psalm 56. It says, Be merciful to me, O God, for men would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day. For that many, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. All day they twist my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together. They hide. They mark my steps. When they lie in wait for my life, shall they escape by iniquity? In anger, cast down the peoples, O God. You number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know, because God is for me. In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? David cries out to the Lord in the, in the first two verses, crying out to God for mercy, for mercy, mostly because he wasn't going to get it from, from the men or the people around him. The word merciful here means to have pity on, to bend, and to show kindness to someone who is inferior to yourself. And that's what David wanted from Saul, all of Israel. He wasn't going to get it. But he goes to the Lord where, where mercy is given freely. Mercy is given freely. Isn't that so cool to know that if you're in need of mercy, forgiveness, grace, and the people around you don't supply it, don't give it, isn't it awesome to know that, that God is always ready to supply, us, to supply us with those needs when we're ready to humble ourselves and ask for it? You know, he recognizes that everyone is against him. They are going to swallow me up, it says. Fighting all day, they oppress me. You know, oppress means to distress, to afflict, to crush, and to hold fast. Uh, there are many uh, who fight against me, it says, almost high. In verses 3 and 4, the Lord reminds David, uh, David David's faith breaks through and shines through. In verses 3 and 4, it says, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? I know this is easy to read, right? It's easy to read. I know these words are, are very comforting, um, but when you're going through something, when you are afraid, it's hard to hold on to these words. It's very hard to do that. Whenever, not sometimes, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. You know, as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, we need to really grab hold of these uh, promises of God's authority over our lives. He is more powerful. He has more authority than all of our enemies and fears combined. Nothing 
I won't say nothing. Nothing. Together, nothing. <laughs> nothing, all right. Nothing can penetrate the protective hedge which he sets up around us except by his permissive will. This is why David and us together can trust in God without fear. What can flesh do to me, David says. Uh, you will only be able to take uh, these words to heart um, when you, when I, put God in the right place over our lives. Only then this will happen. We will not have fear. You will be comforted in, in times of fear. You will be content in the hands of the Lord. You will remember the, the love that God has for you. Uh, the child of God has been saved eternally. We have been saved from eternal death by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Surely God will watch over us in this world, right? Surely God will watch over us now. You know, John Corson says that, that the child of God is immortal until his work is done. You know, I, I don't have all these crazy experiences where I can say, you know, that I believed, you know, these words or, or taken these words to heart. But I know what the Word of God says. Um, I'm sure some of you have, have those experiences where you can share with somebody, you know, that I trusted in him in those times of fear. Second Corinthians uh, 1, 9 through 10 says this. says, yes, we had the sentence of death in, in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a wrath, great a death, and does deliver us in whom we trust, and he will still deliver us. Psalm 34, 4, it says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. One more, Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. It says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. I think we all need to take the word of God uh, for what it is, the word of God, myself included, totally. The Lord is telling you this, telling me this. This is a, his promise to, to me and you if we are a child of God. I do remember one one time. It's kind of a spur of the moment right here, okay? <laughs> but I remember when my daughter was was really small. She was, uh, well, she's just barely born, right? And uh, I remember she got, you know, the, the doctors were coming in. They were testing her blood, and they wanted to test it once. I'm like, okay, they wanted to test it twice. I'm like, all right. And then um, got to the point where I was need to go home and take a shower, right? So I went home, took a shower, and I came back, and uh, she was gone. Uh, they had taken her to uh, to the ICU, right? So I was like, what's going on here? You know, it was kind of like my, my first kind of real challenge to understand what God was doing, you know, through this. And uh, you know, everything worked out. You know, she's, she's six now, and she wants to wear lip gloss now, so it's, that's not going down. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was questioning the Lord then, you um, you know why this was going on? There were some crazy things going on in our family. Uh, you know, people—you know—that's that's where I get my stubbornness from. You know, most of my family's stubborn. But there's people. There's people not talking to each other. You know, uh, sisters not talking to each other. 
And um, somehow this little baby being sick, you know, everyone forgot about it. Everything was gone, you know. People were talking again, you know, it was all it's kind of normal. It's kind of a freaky thing, but I guess it's kind of one of those moments where um, we don't need to know why the Lord is doing stuff. We can just depend on him, and, you know, he'll work everything out um, and say, aha, I told you, right? All right, verses 5 through 7. Let's read that again real quick. It says, All day they twist my words, and their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together, they hide, they mark my steps. When they lie in wait for my life, shall they escape by iniquity? In anger, cast down the peoples, O God. You know, David continues to try to strengthen his case uh, with the Lord and tells him, you know, what his enemies are doing. He's very aware of their, the, the enemy's tactics as, uh, as we should be too. I know we've been getting a lot of studies on the enemy. I know the ladies just finished um, um, a study on that. We need to know, you know, what the Lord's trying to, the enemy's trying to do to us, uh, what the enemy is trying to, trying to do to the name of the Lord, to the name of God, uh, through us. Uh, he will come after us, right? He'll come after us. He just needs a little crack to get in. That's what um, Pastor Bill um, Buffington shared with the, the men at the barbecue. He just needs a little crack to get in, a little crack, just a word, just a thought, uh, just one little action on our part, and he will take over. He will twist a word, he will twist a thought, and use it to, to discourage us, right, to discourage us, to condemn us, and then he won't stop. Are, are we aware? We need to be so much aware of everything going on around us in this in the spiritual realm. You guys know this verse. Um, just read it, Ephesians six, eleven through twelve. It goes over the armor of God. It says, "Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places." And 1 Peter 5 eight also says, Be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, you know, with that, we also need to know that those who, who oppose God and his people you know, will, not, will not escape his judgment, right? You know, not, not rejoicing or anything. But David asked the Lord if these people will escape the arm of the Lord. Matthew Henry says this, or he puts it like this. He says, God will, will, in his anger, cast down and cast out such people. None are raised so high or settled so firmly, but that the justice of God, justice of God can bring them down, both from their dignities and from their confidences. Who knows the power of God's anger? And how high it can reach, or how forcibly it can strike. Romans two six to eleven says, um, "He will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who, by patient continuance in doing good, seek the glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath." Tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also the Greek. 
but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good. You know, we shouldn't, you know, be, like I said before, we shouldn't be rejoicing that this is going to happen one day. Um, you know, the judgment of the wicked. But we just need to rest in the word of God. That everyone will stand before God one day and give an answer to how he's lived. And I really be glad. And just to know for kind of almost our own protection too. For our, for our own awareness to do good and to do good works. I remember seeing the, the sign um, at this church. It said something like, um, whether you know it or not, I think that's what it said, whether you know it or not, you are working for the Lord. Is that what it said? Yeah. Whether you know it or not, you are working for the Lord. It's not entirely true, right? It's not entirely true. We're either doing good works for the Lord or, or working for the enemy. We're on either one side or the other. Okay, verses 8 through 11. Let's read that again. 8 through 11. It says, You number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. In God I will put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? God knows where you go, right? God knows where I go. God knows where you go. He numbers our wanderings. And we can sometimes wander in our relationship with the Lord. You know, just in our day, daily lives, living for him, I kind of I kind of wander. I kind of think of, of wandering as just getting nothing done for him, getting nothing done. You know, we don't redeem the time that we have here on the earth. You know, I, don't, I don't think the Lord's marking down, you know, this is number 256 wander for Richard. Um, I don't think he does that. It's more of, of David along, along with us too to know that God takes notice of all our steps. He is there with us. He's very mindful of all of our afflictions, challenges, struggles. Even when the people around us are, are totally ob- oblivious. He you know, not only keeps track of our wanderings, but also our tears. Our tears. Who's the crier here? Tears flow, huh, sometimes? <laughs> Some people cry more than others. Uh, some people have those emotional buttons you know, that are pushed and out comes the tears. Some tears are happy tears, good ones, joyful tears. Some tears are, are the opposite, right, from, from hurt, from pain, from anguish. I, th- I think happy tears are better. I think you guys do too. But any tear that runs down our face or even, you know, some of the guys that don't like crying on the outside, they cry on the inside. God, God keeps track of those too. You know, Lord, again, is very much aware of those times. The Lord is aware of... Um, of those moments before even we're born. Uh, Psalm 139.16 says, Your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written. The days fashioned for me, when yet they were none of them. This book in verse 8, you know, talks about the book, a book, um, is believed to be the book of remembrance. It's mentioned in Malachi 3.16. 
And it says this. It says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him. For those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On that day I will make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. My family and I bet your family, they have, you guys have lots of memories, right, growing up and even as, as your family now. Good memories, hopefully. I have a really bad memory. I don't remember too much. It doesn't go back that far. Um, so it's cool to be able to take, take you know, those videos, pictures, and to help remember those things, um, events, stuff like that. How about trying to write a book about it? Trying to write a book about all those events in our lives. That would be pretty hard, right? Pretty hard to do. Some Any writers? No. Some people write things down a lot easier than others. Um, but it would be like a more personal thing to do, right? More personal. God is writing a book about us. I think that's so cool. He's keeping track of all our tears, like it says, for the rest of our lives. Kind of like the star of the book, I guess you can say. <laughs> Verse 9 um, in verse 9, the, the word cry means to call out, to utter a sound, a loud sound. Do we call out to the Lord in times of hardship, in times of trouble? Um, this is the only way we can have some comfort in those times when enemies and struggles get a hold of us. I don't think there's any guarantees that you know the enemy will start, stop, persecuting us but but I believe um, this will give us a focal point when we cry out when we focus on the Lord when we cry out to him you know he will speak to us he will comfort us whatever is going on and our focus won't be on our circumstances you know if our Christian walk um, is easy I remember this lady telling me this. If it's easy for you as a Christian, you probably not aren't living totally for the Lord. I was like, wow. <laughs> but God is for us, right? God wants to be there for us at every every second. Verse 11 is a repeat or re-emphasis on trusting the Lord no matter what happens and not worrying about what man can do to us. I kind of skipped over the, the first part in verse 4. I'm not sure if you guys noticed. Because it goes along with verse 10 here. In God, in the Lord, I will praise his word. Where is the word of God in our life? Or is some participation? Okay, everyone lift the Bibles. I'll wait. Hi. It's kind of like a visual, okay? Um Is, is the, the word of the Lord your final authority, our final authority? You know, sometimes I, I have the struggle with this. I have the struggle with this. Sometimes um, it's not up here. It's kind of level, you know, um, with, with my brain, you know, the things I think are right. Kind of like a little competition here. You know, sometimes I'm standing on the word and not standing a good standing, but 
to where my, my two feet are standing on top of it. You know, don't refer to it. I don't, I don't open it. You know, I rely on my own wisdom to get me through the day. And I'm, I'm sure you guys know where that leads me, right? No, nowhere good. You know, we need, we need that authority over us because if we don't, then we'll be tossed to and fro. Not knowing where to go or who to depend on. But last forever. The word of God, right? Matthew 24 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Last two verses, 12 and 13. Everyone with me? Everyone awake? All right. Let's read them. 12 and 13. It says, Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? What do you guys think of when you hear the word vows? Marriage, your marriage. I thought so too. Um, <coughs> the word vow means to, to make a promise, to, to, to give you a word. It means a pledge. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think people in the military also like take a vow, right, to protect their country. Any military personnel here? No? Okay. I think I think that's what they do. You know, they have a job. They make a pledge to protect and serve our country. Um, they make a vow. You know, I think that's pretty cool. A lot of respect for those guys, right? Especially what's going on today in this world. They take a lot of pride in, in that position, and, and very well deserved. You know, the the uniforms they wear, and even talking about their service too. You can see that there's a lot of a uh, connection there. You know, police officers the same thing too. You know, they, they take pride. They they wear a badge. You know, to kind of it's almost like a, a significance of, of what their job is to protect and, and serve or you know their position. You know, their dedication is made public, right? You know what their job is. It, it's seen so clearly. You know, how how about our vows to the Lord? You know, the main thing you know. All the married people are vows to the Lord too in marriage. How do they compare to the examples of you know the military or the, even the police officers too? You know, do we take pride in our marriages? Is there pleasure? Is there delight when you talk about your marriage? Is there honor in those vows that you made before the Lord? You know, is it, na- is it known by the, by the people around you, around us, that our marriage is priority? You know, our wife or our husband's safety, does their relationship mean, mean that much? Does it mean a lot to us? You know, or how about our children? <clears throat> Who's dedicated their children to the Lord? I have. There's a vow there, right? There's a promise. Do we make it our priority to bring them up in the word of the Lord? In the word of God, do we honor the vows we made to the Lord? Or do we forget? Or not make them the priority that they should be? I know I need help in this area. I know I can be used to strengthen my wife's relationship with the Lord by the way I love her. You know, with a godly love. You know, I, I need to do better. 
or even with my kids too. You know, this this has eternity written all over it, our kids. You know, I have those years that are going by fast, so fast, to point them to the Lord, to help them see Jesus, to help them in their decision to, to follow Christ. You know, it is their decision. It's not mine, but it's to point them there. How important is it, is it to keep my vow? Very important, right? So important. It says, I will render praises to you. And then it says that in the end of the psalm, uh, um, David sums up his trials of, of being afraid. He takes heart here. He remembers the love of the Lord. And the most importantly, the Lord has delivered us, delivered our souls from death. Amen, huh? Amen. He has kept our feet from falling down into the pit. Has the Lord ever failed you? He never will. He has a plan for our life. And and those, uh, even when things don't make sense. But remember the Lord loves you. Loves us so very much. He has made you. He has made us his priority. And you know that one day we will walk before him. In the light of a living, in heaven, walk and talk with him. That's so awesome. Uh, Romans 8.32 says, um, He did not spare his own son. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall not he with him also freely give us all things? You know, this, like I said, this study was kind of different this time. But this is kind of where we're kind of going to wrap it up. But the reason that the Lord um, gave me this to share, I've been, I've been struggling with being afraid, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, um, I've been blessed to, to be able to go um, on this trip to Cambodia with, you know, with, the, with the church. You know, I wanted to go last year, kind of wanted to go last year, but didn't, kind of shrugged it off. A little bit, you know. I know the Lord um, has called me to serve the kids. You know, I'd, no offense, but I'd rather way much be inside there with the kids. No offense, no offense again. <laughs> but there's like there's like a a, a draw to them. You know, I I, I kind of make my way towards the kids um, more often than not. But there's that, you know, I'm not scared of flying or anything like that. Or, you know, my family being here, back here. You know, I know the Lord Lord will take care of them. I I, I trust in that. Um, But this is where kind of it's at, you know. Kind of afraid of what the Lord's going to do over there. Kind of afraid. Um, Kind of weird though, huh? I mean, just to be afraid for that. But I know, I know the Lord can show me something over there and and totally change my life, our fa- my family's life. You know, wouldn't that be crazy if the Lord called us there, my family? My wife shaking her head. No, <laughs> no, she wouldn't. <laughs> um, 
But I think my, my, my biggest fear is, is not obeying him. Not obeying him. Um, that's kind of where it's at. So, so I hope, you know, going through this study that um, I pray that whatever challenges that we go through, that we always depend on, on Jesus. Um, you know, one thing, one other thing I wanted to share with you, if you guys all can turn to Matthew 17. Matthew 17, verses 6. So it's kind of where the, where the Lord, Lord spoke to me on, on this issue. It's kind of a more or less called the, the transfiguration. Um, but this is where the, the, the disciples uh, uh, interact with, with Jesus. Verse 6, it says, And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. So let's go back up a little bit. Um, Let's start at verse 1, 17. It says, And after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led him up on the high mountain by himself, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright, bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Those last two verses, the last three verses there, um, Kind of gave me some comfort, you know, in this whole situation. Because again, kind of like the the un, not knowing what the Lord is going to do is kind of like the the thing that I'm gonna say it bothers me. But like I said, I'm afraid of of, of not obeying Him. But when when we're afraid, and you know, when the disciples are afraid, I think those last two verses stand out. You know, who picks them up? Jesus, right? He holds them up. And he tells them, don't be afraid. And after, after they rise up, the only thing they see is Jesus. That's all they see. And I pray, I pray that for me, specifically, and for you too, that whenever you're afraid, you don't rely on, on people to, to, even though the Lord can somewhat, somewhat use someone to, to comfort you, but that the Lord is our comfort any time of the day. And when, when we lift our head up also, that, that he's the only one that we see. There's no one else. You know, in review real quick, you know, when, when we're afraid, we need to trust in the Lord to keep the word of God, his authority over us. You know, and also remember, he, he remembers us. He sees through us throughout the day and to keep our vows to him because he's for sure going to keep our promises to us, right? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you, Lord, and again, Lord, just thank you, Lord, for meeting us here, Lord. Um, again, Lord, you are worthy, Lord, of our praises, Lord.
We thank you, Lord, for, for saving us, Lord, for dying for us, Lord. And, uh, again, Lord, uh, we thank you so much, Lord, for the work you do in our lives, Lord. Praying, Lord, for all my brothers and sisters here, Lord, whatever struggles they might, might be having, Lord, um, the struggles that I have, Lord, may you speak to us, Lord. May you, may you um, hold us up, Lord. May we talk to you, Lord. May we talk to you about those things, Lord, to just interact with you, Lord, for help, Lord. Um, again, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for um, um, everything.